The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Engaging Truth, the manifestation of God's Word in the lives of people around us. Join us each week as we explore the impact of His message of spiritual renewal. From the lesson of forgiveness forged in the crucible of divorce, to the message of salvation learned by an executioner from a condemned killer, to the gift of freedom found in the rescue of victims of human trafficking. This is God's Truth in Action. Welcome to Engaging Truth. I'm your host, Matt Popovitz, and with me on the program today is Michael Newman. He's the president of the Texas District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. He's also the author, author of a new book on grief, and that's the subject of our conversation today, Grief, Loss, and Moving Through It All with Hope. Welcome to Engaging Truth, Mike. It's great to be with you, Matt. It's good to have you. You've been on the program before. We always have a good conversation with you. And I feel like what we're going to talk about today is something that's just really timely and really essential, given what we are continuing to go through uh, as, a, as a country, as a world, with, with COVID. Um, and and that's, that's a conversation about, about, about grief and loss, uh, because I feel like for many of us, COVID has equaled loss. Um, in so many different ways. Um, but, but I want to start at a really kind of basic, basic level here and, and just get to an understanding of what we mean when we say the word grief. So you, you've written a book on grief, but what, what do we mean when we say that word? What is grief? Yeah, it's a great question. And I, I actually, as I've written these books on grief and my previous book too, just took a look at that in the Bible. Like what, what in the world does that word really mean and it really boils down to something i think listeners can understand it boils down to sorrow the sense of sorrow and uh, sorrow that stems from loss uh, something missing and so uh, i think uh, people can relate to what it means to feel sorrowful or sad and so you know god experiences sorrow when he loses the people he loves when they fall away from him or reject him. Uh, We experience sorrow when someone we love is missing from our lives because of their death or in relationships, a broken relationship, or when we are sorrowful about not having had the childhood perhaps we'd hoped for or a parent or... um, so it's it's even you know there's there's sorrow when a big part of your life is taken away like a job that you poured your life into and there's sorrow when you lose a pet or when there's a dramatic change in your life and so it really boils down to that 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 feeling you have in your soul that understanding that something is gone is missing and you become overwhelmed by it or just hurt by it or it has a kind of a cloud, a haze in your life because of it. And you can't control it. That's the thing, you know, that loss tears something away from you. And it's almost like a physical pain. So grief really boils down to that sorrow. So it's it's not just death when we talk about grief, although that's, that's a, certainly a big part of it. But I think for many, when we think grief or grieving, we think of that pain we feel after having lost someone that we love to death uh, but but it's but it's it's really wider than that it's it's all the losses we experience am i hearing you correctly it sure is yeah and death is a very severe loss that creates very deep and lasting sorrow 
But I'll tell you, you know, I've talked with people and I wouldn't say it's the ultimate sorrow all the time because sometimes people who've gone through divorce say they feel that the grief, the wound continues after that breakup takes place because there's always a reminder, you know, and that can happen in death too, uh, but it happens with uh, relationships and ch- with children and parents. If there's a disruption or some sort of alienation there, sometimes the reminders continue to wound and the, the grief continues. Um, so yeah, it, it's across the spectrum. And, and, and sometimes people can feel maybe silly at, at times, admitting the fact that they feel a sense of loss over over certain things. You know, be it be it you know a, a, a job or um, uh, a possession or uh, a, a, a relationship that 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 uh, isn't what it once was. You know, sometimes I've heard in my own pastoral care that I offer to people, they feel like I I know I, sh- I shouldn't feel this way. I shouldn't feel this way. Um, people tend to minimize their the grief or the loss that they feel over certain things. Um, do, do you ex- have you experienced that as well? Yeah, you know we we underestimate our hearts. Our Western culture is very intellectual, uh, analytical, practical, and task driven, and so especially in our culture, we tend to underestimate the impact of life on our hearts, and it varies from person to person depending on. Uh, perception and just our makeup. But I'll tell you, when my younger daughter was little, we saw that she was a very sentimental person. And so we would leave a place we stayed on vacation and she would be sad. You know, she would cry. It was a change. It was something new and adjustment. She had to grieve and mourn every little change. And and that's just how her heart is. She's like that to this day. Others can say, okay, see you. We're going to go back to the normal. You know, they don't, they don't think about it. But I think along the levels of our hearts, we do experience grief in a variety of of ways. And it's important for us to get back in touch with that because our our culture is also kind of a microwave culture where we say, okay, I'm going to go through this experience, going to be done with it. Even if it's something like graduating from college or high school, all right, it's done. Let's move on. We underestimate the fact that there are friendships and relationships and rhythms in life that we are now losing, that are moving away from us. And our hearts need to catch up with that. And we need to process that, not just intellectually, but also in the terms of what loss and change really mean in our lives. So, so you know, do you feel like it's important for us to, to recognize Whatever grief it is that we feel, not not to just kind of push it away, but but whether it's a more, for, for lack of a better phrase, kind of petty grief or a substantial grief, like like it's important, it's healthy for us to to recognize. Yeah, I'm sad over X Y Z not being in my life anymore, or A B C being different. That it's that it's healthy and important for us to to call those things out, to name them, to feel them, to 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 go through the process of grieving both something big and something small. It sure is. Yeah, very important. Because if we don't acknowledge it and just travel with it for a little bit and understand what we're feeling, because it'll surface again here and there. If we don't do that, it's going to go somewhere. You know, our sense of grief and loss is always going to make its home somewhere or find expression in some way. So if we just push it down and say, I'm going to ignore it, It will come out maybe in some harmful ways. So it could be manifested in terms of temper, anger. And that happens a lot with adolescents where 
those emotions very frequently are translated into anger or temper. Uh, it may manifest itself in an attempt to anesthetize ourselves in unhealthy ways with some sort of, you know, drinking or drugs or eating or acting out in some way. Um, it may lead to uh, some sort of spiral into depression because we're not actually processing even the physical hormones that are uh, taking place because of grief. So it's really, really important that we acknowledge it, understand it, and then find constructive ways to journey through it and be brought through grief. And that was you know, one of the big reasons I wrote my latest book. The name of your latest book is called Getting Through Grief, Eight Biblical Gifts for Living with Loss. Um, and, and you mentioned this, this is not your first work on the subject of grief. Uh, where does this, uh, where does this uh, attention towards grief and this focus on grief come from for you? Does it, does it derive out of uh, a, a personal story for you? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because uh, when I wrote my first book, official book on grief, uh, Hope When Your Heart Breaks, I was asked to to write the book. Hey, we think, you know, why don't you write a book on grief? And I had to think about it a little bit. And as I pondered it, I thought, you know, that probably makes sense because my life story has been immersed in grief, not willingly, didn't plan it this way. And I don't know if I always reflected on that, but even as I look at uh, most of my books, uh, they have to, they, they deal with subjects that probably tend to be a little more depressing, which I think, okay, that's that's the way, that's my pathway. You know, God wired me that way, and I didn't like it initially, but uh, I think I see God using it. So, you know, as I, I grew up in a home that was really a challenging place to be. There was a lot of my parents' marriage was not good at all, a lot of arguing, uh, and even it exhibited itself in uh, some violent behavior in my home, you know, toward us and my, toward me and my two brothers. It was a turbulent place every day uh, that I can recall. Uh, so it was kind of, it was tough. So I lived in this turbulence and chaos and difficulty and a lot of sadness. And then mixed in with that, uh, I had a very big family. So my wife, or, my, or excuse me, my mom, is uh, one of 10 brothers and sisters from a huge Greek family in Chicago. And just like my big fat Greek wedding, that was how I grew up. That was it. So a lot of drama, a lot of craziness, but intermingled with that, when you have a big family and the age span is so large, you end up encountering a lot of grief. So there were many deaths, many funerals from an early age. I was exposed to grieving cousins and grieving aunts and uncles. And some were pretty, very, very tragic. So uh, one of the most telling was my own grandfather. He owned a store in Chicago, a dry cleaners. And one day when I was about nine years old, a couple of robbers came into the store. Well, he was open, demanded money, and because he didn't act quickly enough or they panicked, uh, one of the robbers shot him in the chest. And he uh, didn't die right away, but uh, was transported to the hospital and unable to survive the gunshot wound. It was a couple, you know, I don't know if an inch from his heart. And he passed away uh, after that. And obviously, you know, when... 
and people know this more, I think it gets more publicity these days, when you are a family member of someone who's a victim of a, a shooting, a violent act, a murder, it really forces you to say, you know, what is this all about? How do I deal with the anger, uh, the shock, the trauma, the sadness, the loss? And so that started at an early age. And then, you know, it just continued. Uh, my cousin was a Vietnam veteran and came home from Vietnam, really uh, disturbed by it, addicted to drugs. And that caused his death not long after his arrival home. And he was in his 20s, a young man, broke his father and mother's hearts. Uh, another cousin I had while when I was in college, uh, this cousin was shot and killed along with her fiance in their apartment in Chicago. She was just a bright, shining, wonderful uh, young lady, one of my favorite cousins. And so, again, shock and trauma. And, you know, I can talk about these things easily now, but, wow, you know, when you go through those things, they, they make an indelible print, they form your life, and they send you down a course of wrestling with God, with others, with what is right and wrong, with your own heart. So I, I just have had this overwhelming exposure to loss in my life. And I could go on. I mean, there's a there's just a, one thing after another. Uh, but I think I'm a living witness to the fact that God can get you through it in a miraculous way. You can't do it yourself, but he does give these gifts to take you on a journey through it and even uh, use it for his good and make you a better person from it. Well, let's talk about some of those gifts. When you, when you say that in the title of the book, biblical gifts for living with loss, are you talking about how God gives us things to sustain us as he journeys us through loss and, 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 and grief? Yeah, in addition to sustaining us, actually to form us, and lead us through in his grace and forming our hearts and restoring our hearts and souls. That's the beautiful thing about this. You know, the the first thing I think anyone who's experienced loss needs to remember is that you do need to dwell in that for a while. And especially if there's a severe and traumatic loss, this is something that takes a lot of time. Um, and you need to just honor that. So you can't hurry your way out of it uh, or or just live in denial. I remember, you know, I, I went through a real challenging time in the first couple of years of my ministry. I remember even thinking during that time, God has prepared me for this because I, I, I've been through this kind of thing before. But it was a terribly conflicted congregation and uh, open arguments in congregational meetings, uh, breaking up fist fights, uh, death threats. I mean, it was really severe and nearly drove me out of ministry. I think God's, God's the one who kept me in ministry. But it, it took me 10 years before I could talk about that without the nervous shuddering in my stomach. 10 years. And that made me realize that, you know, this is a long journey. I mentioned in the book, well, one person I heard uh, on a podcast, pretty renowned person, who lost his brother, his younger brother, when they were younger. And he said, for the rest of his life to this day, he's 50% melancholy. 
all the time just because of that experience. So, you know, these experiences have uh, have lasting impacts, and it's okay that they do. They're part of your story. So I think, first of all, you know, before getting to the gifts, you need to realize that you need to dwell in that grief and dwell not alone but with God. And, of course, you know, counselors and friends and the church, and we talk about that in the book too, but um, you need to honor the loss and recognize the loss and just sit with it, you know, and not hurry and not say, I got to get on with this. Um, what this book does is say, it says, you know, at a point in your grief, when you say, I think I'm ready to take the first step, I think I'm ready to live again, you know, then this book says, here are some things God has been doing and is doing right now to take you on the journey through it. So, uh, you know, you'll be, I, I use the metaphor of a pit. You'll be out of that dark pit and you'll be ready to live again. Uh, and God does provide these things, you know, so that the first gift really is just hearing his voice and crying out to him. I call it conversation. And that's, I think, the one thing to do, even as you're just living with the trauma and the loss initially, whether it be uh, for a month or two, because you lost a pet, you don't want to adopt another dog right now, you just need to, you just need to hang on and remember and grieve. Or if it's the first decade of walking through this, a lot of times if someone loses a loved one, I, I just tell them, hey, you know, you're not going to get to ground zero until the first year, until you've been through all those holidays and anniversaries and special days, then you'll go from negative, you know, whatever to zero and be ready to at least think about what this means for your life. But uh, the first gift is just letting, hearing God's voice in the midst of that, in the pit, in the valley. And he speaks to us through his word, you know, such tremendous words of encouragement and comfort and grace and replenishment every day. And then being able to cry out to him, in prayer. That's the conversation, right? God speaks first. And we just say, like the psalmist, how long, O oh Lord? You know, have you cast me aside? You know, do you hate me? Are you angry with me? You process these things in prayer with God, understanding that he can take it all. And that is really such an important dynamic for these first steps of getting through grief. You know that might be a new concept for for our listener the 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 idea of of crying out to God with some raw honest pain. I mean, are are, are you saying that it's okay for us to to kind of shake our fist at God in our grief and just be like, why, why is this happening? Uh, it feels like you've it feels like you've forgotten me. Um, uh, I can't I can't endure this 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 loss this grief anymore. Is it is it okay for us to to take the emotion and even some of the anger and just lift it upward in prayer towards God? Is that okay? Yeah, you know it's it's a great question. It's so important to raise because sometimes people think, oh, I've got to I've got to look good to God. You know, I've got to make sure I don't say anything and get me in trouble with Him and. Yeah. Um, you know, put on a show and everything's copacetic. And if I'm going to pray, it's just going to be for some other important big deals in my life. And it's so important to know that throughout uh, the Bible, which is, you know, the Bible isn't a book of perfect people. The Bible is just a book of people journeying through life. And 
they show that God's in it. You know, God is doing his thing. Uh, so exactly, yeah. You know, Mother Teresa, I like to quote her. Uh, she said before she died, the first thing she's going to say to Jesus in heaven is, you got a lot explaining to do. <laughs> you know, and so really that kind of spirit of, hey, God, I do not get it. And all through the Bible, we have people shouting at God, expressing their anger and sadness and confusion uh, from cover to cover. You know, even Jesus in the garden, we just uh, got through Holy Week. You know, he said, Father, take this cup from me. But mm. if you're not going to do it, not your will, but mine be done with tears, with sweat, with stress, with anxiety. Uh, he despaired unto death. I mean, that sounds like some real depression to me yeah. and carrying a heavy burden. And he shouted it out to his father in heaven, not knowing the answer uh, immediately, mm -hmm. But trusting that God is, could take it, you know, could take it all. So, yeah, the, I think every listener should be able to just shout it out. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit intercedes with groans too deep for words. So yeah. just our groaning and moaning that we can't even articulate, God wants that from us. And in his hands, it's much better than on our shoulders. Mm. Absolutely. And, and, you, and you mentioned we're, we're just on the other side of Easter Sunday as you and I have this conversation. And Easter Sunday, uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is, is full of hope for grieving people. Uh, as, we, as we wind down our conversation, what, what is, what is some, just some of the hope that's to be found for people who are grieving all kinds of losses on the other side of Resurrection Sunday? You know, the great thing about resurrection of Jesus is it's the ultimate demonstration that if anyone could get us through grief, if anyone could get us through pain, through suffering, even through death, it is Jesus who conquered death. We have a great captain of this ship on the journey through grief, and that's where our hope is. You know, I have a youth version of this book, too, which I think is maybe even be more important than the adult version, because kids need this hope, too, that God will get you through it. And when you are weak and absolutely helpless, he will pour out his gifts to bring you through to a place you never imagined or expected. I'm a personal example of that. And there are so many around us, and I hope every listener knows that they, ha they have that hope through Jesus, and I hope they can share it with their friends, too, because this is what we need these days, isn't it? True. Yeah, yeah. With, yeah I mean, a, a part of the message of Good Friday and Easter is that on the other side of loss is life when you're with Jesus, right? You know, with, right. On, the other, on the other side of loss with Jesus is life. I mean, he, and, he, and he says that of himself, I'm the resurrection and the life. Um, people who die when they're connected to me don't really die. Yeah, I mean, you could probably even say people who lose things when they're connected to me don't actually lose things That's because right. he promises in the end to restore all things and make it good. Well, Mike, Mike, where can, where can people get this book? Where can people uh, get, get their hands on this and other resources that you've created? Hey, they can find it anywhere. Uh, of course, Amazon, through any bookseller, uh, my website is mnewman.org. That's just my first initial M and then newman.org. All my books are there with links. And of course, the publisher, Concordia Publishing House, great resources. They could find them in all those places. 
Wonderful. Uh, and I hope our listeners check them out. Wonderful resources uh, from a great guy, President Newman, president of the Texas District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri. And thank you, as always, for being a guest here on Engaging Truth. It is a joy, Matt. God bless you. God bless you. And, and thank you for listening. And we hope you'll join us right here next time. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to this broadcast of Engaging Truth. Be sure to join us each week at this time. To help support our ministry, contact Evangelical Life Ministries, Post Office Box 568, Cypress, Texas, 77410, or visit our website at elmhouston.org, or find us on Facebook at Evangelical Life Ministries. Thank you.